0: Chapter Twenty One, Part Two of The Betrothed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. The Betrothed by Alexandro Manzoni. Chapter Twenty One part two lucia remained motionless shrunk up in the corner her knees drawn close to her breast her hands resting on her knees and her face buried in her hands she was neither asleep nor awake but worn out with a rapid succession a tumultuous alternation of thoughts anticipations and heart-throbbings recalled in some degree to consciousness and recollecting more distinctly the horrors she had seen and suffered that terrible day she would now dwell mournfully on the dark and formidable realities in which she found herself involved then her mind being carried onward into a still more obscure region she had to struggle against the phantoms conjured up by uncertainty and terror in this distressing state she continued for a long time which we would here prefer to pass over rapidly but at length exhausted and overcome she relaxed her hold on her benumbed limbs and sinking at full length upon the floor remained for some time in a state closely resembling real sleep but suddenly awakening as at some inward call, she tried to arouse herself completely to regain her scattered senses and to remember where she was and how and why. She listened to some sound that caught her ear. It was the slow, deep breathing of the old woman. She opened her eyes and saw a faint light now glimmering for a moment and then again dying away. It was the wick of a lamp which almost ready to expire emitted a tremulous gleam and quickly drew it back, so to say, like the ebb and flow of a wave on the seashore, and thus withdrawing from the surrounding objects ere there was time to display them in distinct colouring and relief. It merely presented to the eye a succession of confused and indistinct glimpses but the recent impression she had received quickly returned to her mind and assisted her in distinguishing what appeared so disorderly to her visual organs when fully aroused the unhappy girl recognized her prison all the recollections of the horrible day that was fled all the uncertain terrors of the future rushed at once upon her mind THE VERY CALM IN WHICH SHE NOW FOUND HERSELF AFTER SO MUCH AGITATION, THE SORT OF REPOSE SHE HAD JUST TASTED, THE DESERTION IN WHICH SHE WAS LEFT, ALL COMBINED TO INSPIRE HER WITH A NEW DREAD, TILL, OVERCOME BY ALARM, SHE EARNESTLY LONGED FOR DEATH but at this juncture she remembered that she could still pray and with that thought there seemed to shine forth a sudden ray of comfort she once more took out her rosary and began to repeat the prayers and in proportion as the words fell from her trembling lips she felt an indefinite confiding faith taking possession of her heart suddenly another thought rushed into her mind that her prayer might perhaps be more readily accepted and more certainly heard if she were to make some offering in her desolate condition. She tried to remember what she most prized, or rather what she had once most prized, for at this moment her heart could feel no other affection than that of fear, nor conceive any other desire than that of deliverance. She did remember it, and resolved at once to make the sacrifice, rising upon her knees and clasping her hands from whence the rosary was suspended before her breast she raised her face and eyes to heaven and said o most holy virgin thou to whom i have so often recommended myself and who hast so often comforted me thou hast borne so many sorrows and art now so glorious thou who hast wrought so many miracles for the poor and afflicted, help me, bring me out of this danger, bring me safely to my mother, O mother of our Lord, and I vow unto thee to continue a virgin, I renounce for ever my unfortunate betrothed, that from henceforth I may belong only to thee, Having uttered these words she bowed her head and placed the beads around her neck almost as a token of her consecration and at the same time as a safeguard a part of the armor for the new warfare to which she had devoted herself seating herself again on the floor a king of tranquillity a more childlike reliance gradually diffused themselves over her soul the tomorrow morning repeated by the unknown nobleman came to her mind and seemed to her ear to convey a promise of deliverance her senses wearied by such struggles gradually gave way before these soothing thoughts until at length towards daybreak and with the name of her protectress upon her lips lucia sank into a profound and unbroken sleep But in this same castle there was one who would willingly have followed her example, yet who tried in vain, after departing or rather escaping from Lucia, giving orders for her supper and paying his customary visits to several posts in his castle, with her image ever vividly before his eyes and her words resounding in his ears, the nobleman had hastily retired to his chamber impetuously shut the door behind him and hurriedly undressing had laid down but that image which now most closely than ever haunted his mind seemed at that moment to say thou shalt not sleep what absurd womanly curiosity tempted me to go to see her thought he that fool of anibio was right one is no longer a man yes one is no longer a man i am i no longer a man what has happened what devil has got possession of me what is there new in all this didn't i know before now that women always weep and implore even men do sometimes when they have not the power to rebel what the have i never heard a woman cry before and here without giving himself much trouble to task his memory it suggested to him of its own accord more than one instant in which neither entreaties nor lamentations availed to deter him from the completion of enterprises upon which he had once resolved. But these remembrances, instead of inspiring him with the courage he now needed to prosecute his present design as it would seem he expected and wished they might, instead of helping to dispel his feelings of compassion only added to them those of terror and consternation until they compelled him to return to that first image of lucia against which he had been seeking to fortify his courage she still lives said he she is here i am in time i can yet say to her go and be happy i can yet see that countenance change i can even say forgive me forgive me i ask for forgiveness and of a woman too i ah however if one word one such word could do me good could rid me of the demon that now possesses me i would say it yes i feel that i would say it to what am i reduced i am no longer a man surely no longer a man away said he, turning himself with impetuosity on the couch which had now become so hard under the covering which had now become so intolerable a weight. Away! These are fooleries which have many a time passed through my head. This will take its flight too. And to effect such a riddance he began seeking some important subject some of the many which often so busily occupied his mind in hopes he might be entirely engrossed by it but he sought in vain all appeared changed that which once most urgently stimulated his desires now no longer possessed any charm for him his passions like a steed suddenly become restive at the sight of a shadow refused to carry him any further in reflecting on enterprises engaged in and not yet concluded instead of animating himself to their completion and feeling irritated at the obstacles interposed for an anger at this moment would have been sweet to him he felt regret nay almost consternation at the steps already taken his life presented itself to his mind devoid of all interest deprived of all will divested of every action, and only laden with insupportable recollections, every hour resembling that which now rolled so slowly and heavily over his head. He drew out before his fancy all his ruffians in a kind of battle array, and could contrive nothing of importance in which to employ one of them. Nay, the very idea of seeing them again, and mixing among them, was an additional weight a fresh object of annoyance and detestation and when he sought an occupation for the morrow a feasible employment he could only remember that on the morrow he might liberate his unfortunate prisoner i will set her free yes i will i will fly to her by daybreak and bid her depart safely she shall be accompanied by and my promise my engagement "'Don Rodrigo? "'Who is Don Rodrigo?' "'Like one suddenly surprised "'by an unexpected and embarrassing question "'from a superior. "'The unnamed hastily sought for an answer "'to the query he had just put to himself, "'or rather which had been suggested to him "'by that new voice which had all at once "'made itself heard, "'and sprung up to be, as it were, "'a judge of his former self.' HE TRIED TO IMAGINE ANY REASON WHICH COULD HAVE INDUCED HIM, ALMOST BEFORE BEING REQUESTED, TO ENGAGE IN INFLICTING SO MUCH SUFFERING, WITHOUT ANY INCENTIVE OF HATRED OR FEAR, ON A POOR UNKNOWN CREATURE, ONLY TO RENDER A SERVICE TO THIS MAN. BUT INSTEAD OF SUCCEEDING IN DISCOVERING SUCH MOTIVES AS HE WOULD NOW HAVE DEEMED SUFFICIENT TO EXCUSE THE DEED, he could not even imagine how he had ever been induced to undertake it the willingness rather than the determination to do so had been the instantaneous impulse of a mind obedient to its old and habitual feelings the consequence of a thousand antecedent actions and to account for this one deed the unhappy self-examiner found himself involved in an examination of his whole life backwards from year to year from engagement to engagement from bloodshed to bloodshed from crime to crime each one stood before his conscience-stricken soul divested of the feelings which had induced him to will and commit it and therefore appearing in all its monstrousness which those feelings had at the time prevented his perceiving they were all his own they made up himself and the horror of this thought renewed with each fresh remembrance and cleaving to all increased at last to desperation he sprang up impetuously in his bed eagerly stretched out his hand towards the wall at his side touched a pistol grasped it reached it down and At the moment of finishing a life which had become insupportable, his thoughts seized with terror and a so as to say superstitious dread rushed forward to the time which would still continue to flow on after his end. He pictured with horror his disfigured corpse lying motionless and in the power of his vilest survivor. The astonishment, the confusion of the castle in the morning. Everything turned upside down, and he, powerless and voiceless, thrown aside, he knew not whither. He fancied the reports that would be spread, the conversations to which it would give rise, both in the castle, the neighborhood, and at a distance, together with the rejoicing of his enemies. The darkness and the silence around him presented death in a still more mournful and frightful aspect. It seemed to him that he would not have hesitated in open day, out of doors and in the presence of spectators, to throw himself into the water and vanish. Absorbed in such tormenting reflections, he continued alternately snapping and unsnapping the cock of his pistol with a convulsive movement of his thumb, when another thought flashed across his mind. IF THIS OTHER LIFE, OF WHICH THEY TOLD ME WHEN I WAS A BOY, OF WHICH EVERYBODY TALKS NOW, AS IF IT WERE A CERTAIN THING, IF THERE BE NOT SUCH A THING, IF IT BE AN INVENTION OF THE PRIESTS, WHAT AM I DOING, WHY SHOULD I DIE, WHAT MATTERS ALL THAT I HAVE DONE, WHAT MATTERS IT, IT IS AN ABSURDITY, MY, BUT IF THERE REALLY BE ANOTHER LIFE, at such a doubt at such a risk he was seized with a blacker and deeper despair from which even death afforded no escape he dropped the pistol and lay with his fingers twined among his hair his teeth chattering and trembling in every limb suddenly the words he had heard repeated a few hours before rose to his remembrance god pardons so many sins For one deed of mercy they did not come to him with that tone of humble supplication in which they had been pronounced they came with a voice of authority which at the same time excited a distant glimmering of hope it was a moment of relief he raised his hands from his temples and in a more composed attitude fixed his mind's eye on her who had uttered the words she seemed to him no longer like his prisoner and suppliant, but in the posture of one who dispenses mercy and consolation. He anxiously awaited the dawn of day that he might fly to liberate her and to hear from her lips other words of alleviation and life, and even thought of conducting her himself to her mother. And then, what shall I do tomorrow for the rest of the day? what should i do the day after tomorrow and the day after that again and at night the night which will return in 12 hours oh the night no no the night and falling again into the weary void of the future he sought in vain for some employment of time some way of living through the days and nights one moment he proposed leaving his castle and going into some distant country where he had never been known or heard of but he felt that he should carry himself with him then a dark hope would arise that he should resume his former courage and inclinations and that this would prove only a transient delirium now he dreaded the light which would show him to his followers so miserably changed then he longed for it as if it would bring light also to his gloomy thoughts and lo about the break of day a few moments after lucia had fallen asleep while he was seated motionless in his bed a floating and confused murmur reached his ear bringing with it something joyous and festive in its sound assuming a listening posture he distinguished a distant chiming of bells and giving still more attention could hear the mountain echo every now and then languidly repeating the harmony and mingling itself with it immediately afterwards his ear caught another and still nearer peal and then another and another what rejoicings are these what are they so merry about what is their cause of gladness he sprang from his bed of thorns and half dressing himself in haste went to the window threw up the sash and looked out the mountains were still wrapped in gloom the sky was not so much cloudy as composed of one entire lead-coloured cloud but by the already glimmering light of day he distinguished in the road at the bottom of the valley numbers of people passing eagerly along some leaving their dwellings and moving on with the crowd and all taking the same direction towards the outlet of the vale on the right of the castle he could even distinguish the joyous bearing and holiday dress of the passengers what the is the matter with these people what cause of merriment can there be in this cursed neighborhood and calling a confidential bravo who slept in the adjoining room, he asked him what was the cause of this movement. The man replied that he knew no more than his master, but would go directly to make inquiry. The seigneur remained with his eyes riveted upon the moving spectacle, which increasing day rendered every moment more distinct. He watched crowds pass by, and new crowds constantly appear. Men, women, children, in groups, in couples, or alone, one overtaking another, who was before him, walked in company with him, another just leaving his door, accompanied the first he fell in with by the way, and so they proceeded together like friends in a preconcerted journey. Their behavior evidently indicated a common haste and joy, and the unharmonious, but simultaneous burst of the different chimes some more some less contiguous and distinct seemed so to say the common voice of these gestures and a supplement to the words which could not reach him from below he looked and looked till he felt more than common curiosity to know what could communicate so unanimous a will so general a festivity TO SO MANY DIFFERENT PEOPLE. END OF CHAPTER 21 PART 2